98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. We're live here from Cardinals training camp. And yeah, Eric just ran through the top stories of the day. And certainly coming up in a few, we'll circle back to that Kevin Durant story. Of course, the Diamondbacks in action again tonight against the Pirates. The awful news about uh, Diana Taurasi out the rest of the season for the Phoenix Mercury, and they are sitting in the last playoff spot in the WNBA. But as Eric mentioned, and he's sitting here right with us, takes a real special dude to become the main feature of the 4 o'clock reset. But given that it's Buda Baker and given that to his right is the president of the Buda Baker fan club. I didn't club, know I was the president of the fan club. Well, I just, I just you just like, you guys like that my, today. Yes. You just like my accent because I say Buda Baker. You, you add an R I, where there is none, and then Whoa. you take an R away when there should be one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Buda Baker joining us here from the press box. Good to see you, man. Thanks yeah. for putting up with us. We appreciate it. Man, it's good to see you guys as well. Yeah. Has So far, I mean, it's, is this camp any different from your previous camps? Yeah. I definitely feel like it's a lot different. You know, we got a, a younger team. Um, you guys got guys that want to learn, guys that want to go fast and run. And, you know, you tell them to run through a wall, they'll do it. So, so, so it, usually it's all the same thing. Guys kind of get tired of camp. For you, it, it's you get excited about camp. I, I've heard you talk about OTAs. You want to be there. You want to play. Yeah. Some of the veteran players like yourself, they kind of uh, it's kind of like a chore. It's a grind for you. It's not. Yeah. No, I don't think it's a grind at all for me. You know, I I take pride in you know working very hard in the off season. So once we do these OTAs, mini camp, training camp, it's pretty easy for me. But it's just a matter of just trying to teach. You know me being you know going into my sixth year going into my fourth year with this coaching staff just teaching these rookies first year second year third year fourth year guys even guys that you know want to ask me questions that are veterans as well just trying to teach and learn as much as i can and that's what this is all about i by the way i think i'm the president of the so-called fan club that i didn't even know about because you know before the draft i had i had predicted that the Cardinals were going to take you and i kind of had a feeling that they were going to take you in the draft that i had said that leading up to the draft and then Brock Heward, my guy in Seattle, told me this story about you running up the Space Needle. You were first one there and first one down. And he just raved all about you. And so I kind of, kind of got excited about you coming to the Cardinals right from that get-go that, you know, that, that you would be here from, you know, from your days at, at the UW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those days and at, the, at UW was great. You know, I got a lot of great friends on that team, a lot of great coaches on that team. And, you know, a couple guys that are here yeah, with course. the Cardinals as yeah. well. So that's always a plus as well. I think they're going to be able to win the Big Ten in 2025. <laughs> I think they've got a shot. In, in a couple of years from now, I think they could be the Big, t- Big Ten champs. Uh, yeah, me too, man. Me too. Whatever they are, they they, they should be champions. Wherever, wherever, wherever they end up, no one's sure where UW is going. Besides, Gimba, you're, after what I saw after practice, you're not the only one in the Buda Baker fan club because Buda went over there to the fans and signed some autographs. Oh, I could hear them calling your name from here, right? Like, I mean, that, yeah. that's a you a charge, right? When you do something like that? Yeah, it's definitely uh, exciting. Definitely, you know, cool to have, you know, fans and guys that, you know, are, are fans of me. But at the end of the day, I'm, I got to make plays on that football field and yeah. that's my plan. So let's, this leadership role that you talk about that you've like so willingly embraced, like at what point 
in your kind of arc, your time here with the Cardinals, did you know, I want to be that guy. I want to be that C. I want to be that leader on this team. Was it right away? Did it? I mean, when, when did you feel like you started to be that guy yeah. for the Cardinals? Yeah, growing up, I've always kind of been lead by example, you know, always lead by example, not really the one to talk much. And now that I'm in this league, you know, I'm kind of a grown man now, you know, developed into my own personality. And, you know, for me, it's, it's definitely exciting to want to help guys, want yeah. to help players get better. You know, that's that's my favorite thing each and every day is, of course, do my job and do my job at a high level. But if someone has a question for me, I can definitely answer that question to the best of my ability. So, you know, I do take a lot of pride in understanding the whole playbook, understanding what the D-line does, what the, what the linebackers do and what the DBs do. So any position can ask me a question and I'll know exactly the answer to give to them. So you would say your personality has changed a little bit then over the, these couple of years, that, that you've kind of embraced more of that, that vocal element of your job that maybe before when you were a rookie or even at UW, that that just wasn't your personality. You've changed a little yeah. bit to accommodate it. Yeah, I definitely think so. And, you know, my rookie year with the, you know, BA staff and the 3-4, you know, system, and then going into my second year was, you know, Steve Wilkes' staff, and that was a 4-3 system. Then going into my third year is Coach Cliff's staff and going back to a 3-4. So understanding multiple type of defenses and multiple language within the defenses, that definitely helped me a lot. And then, of course, this is my fourth year going into this, you know, Cliff staff. So, you know, everything that I'm hearing, I've heard before multiple times. And, you know, it's just time to go out there and play and uh, answer whatever questions I have. Yeah. Playoff game against the Rams. Tackle on Cam Akers. Yep. Carted off the field with a concussion. Kind of let everybody know you were okay as you were leaving. What what was it like in the aftermath of that, the weeks following the concussion? I mean, any any fallback for you? Any concerns for you? Yeah. And, a, and a, that's a scary situation. That was yeah. a scary situation for all of your fans and your family and everybody to watch that happen to you. Yeah, definitely a scary situation. And going back on it, you know, definitely, um, you know, kind of dropped my head a little bit. And it kind of hit me in that soft spot of, of the head to where, you know, I was just knocked out. But when I woke up, I, I, I felt like I can get back up and start playing again, you know, but they were all very cautious, you know, Tom Reed and the, uh, the training staff told me to stay down and, you know, they didn't know if it was a neck injury, back injury, nothing, so I just had to stay down, couldn't move and, you know, personally for me, I definitely felt like I, I could get up and start walking, but I stayed down that whole time, you know, going into the ambulance and doing all those, you know, crazy, you know, IVs and, you know, getting my, getting my, sh- my shoulder pads, you know, cut off and my helmet cut off it was definitely a crazy process but you know going into the you know um to the you know x-rays and all those type of you know uh things there was nothing wrong and you know the next day i was able to leave that same morning so definitely a true blessing and uh you know i didn't have any headaches didn't have any you know certain things going on with my head or my neck so it was definitely a, truly a blessing and did a lot of concussion testing and actually my concussion testing was better than testing in the past so you know he, he might have knocked some more sense into me so uh, you know um, can, yeah. can, you, can you see how and i know it hasn't affected you you're out but can you see how how that can affect other players yeah. when you get in when and just hesitant to make that hit hesitant to make that tackle and it's in the back of your mind yeah. 
when you because you know once you have the one concussion, you're prone to a second or in a third a little bit easier. Can you see how it does affect some guys? Oh yeah, most definitely, definitely could affect guys. And uh, for me in that situation, it was a playoff game, so I didn't have to. You know, after that game, there wasn't another game, sadly. And you got you to know, rest, just got relax. That, exactly, that whole time to rest and relax my mind, relax everything, my body and everything. And you know, it was definitely, uh, definitely a learning experience for me. And um, yeah, you, concussions are no joke, so you should always, you know, get the help when you when you believe you need yeah. the help. And even if you don't need the help, you should still get the help. Buda Baker, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, for there's there's some concern about this defense given some of the guys that are gone, not with you, not with Jalen, but the the depth at corner and you know Chandler's gone and and you're practicing in it and around it every day. What's your level of confidence now with the state of the defense with some of the changes that the unit as a whole has gone through? Yeah, I definitely think we're going to get better. You know, losing Chandler Jones is a huge loss. You know, he had a lot of sacks for us, but you know, guys have to stuck up, uh, stick up. You know, um, and guys have to be out there. And if you're on the field, you're a starter. Whether it's Majay, Marcus Golden, you know, Dennis, uh, DK, all those guys, they all have the ability to step up, and I think they will. And I definitely think. You know, we'll still be a great defense, and I'm excited for guys like Zavin, guys like Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, you know, going into his third year. Um, you know, Byron, of course. Of course, my dog, JT. You know, all these guys, the D-line, J.J. Watt, you know, he's doing a great job of teaching these D-linemen uh, certain techniques and things like that. So I definitely am excited to see what we got, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think our defense is definitely going to be a great defense. Do the Cardinals have the best safety tandem in the NFL? I believe so. You know, I believe so. But at the end of the day, I always tell my guys, you know, uh, women lie, men lie. But that film never lies. And uh, I definitely think you see on the film of, you know, 34 and 3, you know, at all times you'll see them on the field running to the ball and getting there and not letting plays get caught on them and, you know, things like that. So I would definitely say so. But at the end of the day, you will see. Kyler got Kyler got his contract. DJ Humphrey just got his contract. I keep hearing Jalen Thompson is going to be next. Um, you played with him for a while. You, you know he's your guy. Um, how how deserving is he of this next contract by the Cardinals? Oh man, he's so so deserving of this. You know, um, from his rookie year till now, he's night and day, totally a different player. Um, he had the the attributes, the athletic attributes, but now he has that mind. He he wants to learn. He so many questions he's asked me that I'm you know asking him. And if I don't know, I'm asking the coaches. And you know he's in the film room every single day. You know even in training camp he'll be in the film he'll be in the film room at 6 a.m. watching film and we have practice at 8 so he's one of those guys that is a very hard worker and you see it on the film each and every year him getting better and I'm excited for him to uh, I believe he'll get his first Pro Bowl this year mm-hmm. um, with with the, the, the playmakers that we have and the things that I believe he's going to do so I'm definitely excited for him and uh, hopefully he gets that contract. You know all about that so we appreciate the time we appreciate you swinging by thanks for a few minutes it's always good to catch up with you when you're out here. Thanks, yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. You got it. Buda Baker, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, live from State Farm Stadium in Arizona Cardinals training camp when we camp. A new report today on Kevin Durant dropped right in our laps. What does it mean for the Phoenix Suns? We will talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo.
live here from training camp, Card Stadium, uh, State Farm Stadium, where we just got done talking with Buda Baker. It's always fun talking with Buda about all things Cardinals. But we circle back to our top story of the day, and we would have covered this in the 4 o'clock reset. We kind of readjusted some things on the fly with Buda coming in. Our top story of the day, no question, comes to us from the NBA and the Phoenix Suns, where we knew last week there was going to be a meeting between Kevin Durant and the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Sy. That meeting took place over the weekend. It was in London. And coming out of that meeting, Kevin Durant reiterated his trade request and informed the owner of the Brooklyn Nets that he needs to choose. Either Durant goes or the GM and the head coach go. Wow. That's the ultimatum. It's either it him yeah. or Sean Marks or Steve Nash that got to go, and that's that. And, and and there's the meeting was, according to the report from Shams, he's the one who broke it, the meeting was transparent and professional. It took place a year to the day that Durant agreed to that's the four-year pro- contract. That's, that's professional? You're asking to fire the head coach and the GM. What's so professional? About that. He's just passing along how sources just like I guess what they mean is no one was yelling, nobody was shouting, nobody was screaming. <laughs> that nobody got I know just uh, you, but see, you know how yeah. many people go into a meeting, call a professional when you're asking for other people to be fired. It's it's I had a professional meeting with the boss. I asked for Dave Burns to be fired. And Byron and Lauren too. No, I'm just teasing. But I mean, come on, like, that doesn't seem like you're, that's you're, very professional. You're not acting very professional, but if you're doing it in a professional <laughs> manner, I suppose. That's, yeah, that, that's I wasn't acting very professional, but I did it in a professional I, manner. I, I, I guess that, that's how Shams is describing it. I don't know, man. That's how he described it. I don't care. I, I don't care if they were screaming bloody murder at each other, man. It's the, the point is, he wants out. The point is, we had said all along, all along, that Kevin Durant's play here, if he really wants it, is to go into Brooklyn and set a fire. Not a literal one, but a metaphorical one, right? To go in there and just make it impossible for the Brooklyn Nets to keep him. That was the only way this thing was going to evolve so that he could get out of there. And we didn't know if he was going to have the guts to do it. He did it. Yeah. He had the guts to go in there and do it, and he did it. And now the Nets have to figure out what they're going to do. Because not only did he reiterate his desire to be traded, he basically dropped some hints that he might miss training camp if no trade develops. Quote, people have wondered whether Durant could miss training camp should no trade develop. Um, the Nets, and one more quote, and then yeah, I want to hear your ahead. reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the story that Shams wrote on The Athletic. The Nets have direct knowledge of the reasons behind Durant's request and understand the 12-time All-Star will continue to be resolute in his stance. In other words, he's not bending off of this. It's either them or him. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that what he's done, most importantly, he's kind of made it impossible for him to come back with the with, with the way that the management team is in place right now. I'll come back, but you're going to have to fire Marks and Nash. Now, this happens all the time. Like this is just a depiction uh, depiction of what what really happens, you know, in the league. I mean, this is just true. I mean, players, superstar players, they're in control, and if you're not paying attention to that, you know, you 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 you, you just you don't know but the players are running things so the players have the superstar players have the ability to have a coach fired 
no problem. This is just very public what he's doing. What he's doing is very public. I want these two guys. Fired. A lot of guys do it behind the scenes. Coach gets fired. Then you kind of say, oh, LeBron's a coach killer. Yeah, LeBron has had coach fired. A lot of players have had coaches fired. Happens all the time. Steve Nash once had Sean Marion traded. Steve Nash, a player, superstar player, two-time MVP. He had Steve Nash tra- uh, had Sean Marion traded for Shaquille O'Neal. That he he had the ultimate decision in that. Not Mike D'Antoni or Steve Kerr, but Steve Nash did. So players have a lot of say when you're a superstar. But what he's done here is he's made it almost impossible for him to come back under the current management. Yes, that's what he's done. He's because it would just be an absolute disaster to bring him back and have him play with Steve Nash as the head coach. Now, if I'm the owner, I might very reasonably look at it and say it's a lot harder to find Kevin Durant than it is a general manager and a coach. And he one thousand percent, he might call he might call Durant's bluff and say, "Okay, fine, I'm not going to trade you. I'm going to fire the GM and the coach." Now, no matter what, and we talked about this earlier. No matter what, Joe is not winning this. He's not winning this because he's either going to a fire the head coach and the GM because the star player told him to, or he's going to sell the star player for pennies on the dollar. Either way, he's going to lose. Either way, there's no winning this if you're Joe Sy. I, I unless somehow, some way, they're able to pull off a blockbuster deal that satisfies all their needs. I'm 95% convinced right. there's no way he can win this because he's either going to give in to the player or he's going to take pennies on the dollar by trading the player. Now, the Suns in all of this, because this is all people really want to know about, they were never mentioned once in the report. There's a big story on The Athletic. They were never once mentioned by name. Celtics were brought up by name. The Raptors were brought up by name. The Heat were brought up by name, specifically as the three teams that remain the most significant candidates to acquire Durant. That's not coming from Durant, necessarily. That's just what Shams is hearing. I don't think this means for a second the Suns are out of it. No. In, in fact, I think, if anything, today's news had to happen in order for the Suns to have a chance at him. I, I, mean, I get that. I get had that. Had to happen. The only thing that I worry about is if, if, if Sean Marks is still in control and has the ability to pull, pull a deal, he knows Kevin Durant's, you know, Kevin Durant wants him fired. He wants Steve Nash fired. You can't have, you know, uh, good feelings about Kevin Durant right now if you're Sean Marks. No, of course not. But you also know that his, his premier destination is the Suns. And you may not want to send him to the Suns. You may just, in, like a little bit in spite of you want to yes, make the best deal you can, but part of you, like in your in the back of your mind, like I'm not. I just said him Phoenix is going to get exactly what he wants. He has this guy that's put all this pressure on. He's made my life miserable. Yep. And I don't know what happened. You know why Kevin Durant is soured on these guys. And Shams' story, it says he doesn't have faith in the team's direction. Well, that's the head coach Steve Nash, and that's the GM Marks, and that's why he wants those guys fired. I will say one more thing. I think it's interesting that it got out. It's in because it was just a meeting between the owner and the player. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that it got out because you know why? If he had if he had just said, "Listen, between me and you, I can't play for these guys. We got to move. If we can move, we fire them. We bring in a new head coach. Like, okay, I'll, I'm on board. You wait a week. You wait two weeks. You know, and." Then you fire Sean Mark, say his inability to get a, a proper deal done is is, and then you hire a new GM. He hires a new coach, and you kind of you could have you could have gotten this done without it being so public. You could have, but I think by making it public, and I don't know if Kevin Durant is the one who leaked it to Shams or not, or if it came from the Nets. But by making it public, all you've done, if you're Kevin Durant, is you've raised the urgency of it. You've created even additional pressure on yeah. the Nets to give you. I mean. If you're Kevin Durant, you want this public. You want the whole world to know you've put him in the spot because that's again, that's what Kevin Durant had to light a fire. He he had he had, and I didn't think he was going to have 
guts to do it, and he did. And and I think to your point about the Nets not treating him to the Suns out of spite, yeah, they could do that. But if it's reasonable to assume that Kevin Durant has the power to threaten to get a GM and a coach fired, I think it's also reasonable to assume that Kevin Durant has the power to say, "Don't trade me to Toronto." Hey, my agent guy, call the general manager in Toronto and tell him I ain't playing there. And then the general manager in Toronto goes, am I really going to give up premium assets for a guy who I know doesn't want to be here? Is he really going to go to Toronto and say, okay, I don't want to play? I do think Is he really going to go to the owner and demand that the head coach and general manager get fired because he just did it? I think he realistically has to have several teams that he's willing to go to and not just I'll buy that. Uh, You know what? I would buy that it can't just be the Phoenix Suns. He's got to realistically have three or four options that are real. But if there's some where he really doesn't want to go. Oh yeah, Kevin Durant's got the power to not go there. Because he, I, I'm still he's not got the power to scare that team out of not making a significant True. offer for him because they don't want to ri- run yeah. the risk of him being unhappy. Yeah, he doesn't oh, want to bet he, he has doesn't want to live and play in Toronto. He could say, I don't, "I'm not going to play in Toronto." I, I get that. Yeah, but he's got to realistically have more options. Op- you know, listen, I'm going to trade you, but you know, you're a 12-time yeah. All Star. I can't trade you for peanuts. Give me four teams that you're willing to get, be traded to. We'll, we'll make. We'll get the best offer from one of those teams, and we'll trade you there. We'll see. We'll see what the Suns do now with this information. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals relying on a lot of young players this season, but not as many as you'd think. And we'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Welcome in. If this is your first chance to listen to us today, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We're live from State Farm Stadium up here in the press box. Our final day of our Cardinals training camp coverage, at least for us. I believe uh, Wolf and Luke will be out here for a couple of more days. But for us, this is the final day, and we uh, are very grateful for the Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, it's been a good day. We've enjoyed having both of those guys on. But this Kevin Durant story and the latest chapter of it has been a big one today, so let's go back to the Oxygen Community Studios where Eric is standing by with today's Twitter poll question. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Eric, what you got? Uh, it's a classic how we feel in question, Burnsy. Classic, classic. So today's Kevin Durant report from Sean Sharanya listed that he demanded to Nets owner Joe Sy, it's either Steve Nash and Sean Marks or it's me. He also went on to list that the Suns were not one of the few teams that are most significantly in the running to get Kevin Durant. So with all of that being said, are you more? More, less, or feeling the same about your confidence on Kevin Durant coming to Phoenix? More. Same. Today had to happen. Today had to happen for him to get to the Suns. Without today, there's zero chance of him going to the Suns. He had to start a fire in Brooklyn to force his way out, and he did that today. We didn't start the fire. He did, though. Um, and it was he. he it, it doesn't happen without this. So I am put me down as a as a firm more. I think they were helped. I still think they were going to trade him. There was plenty of time left to trade him. A time was on the net side. Um, I still think in the end they, gonna, they were going to move him. So for me, I think it's the same. Bernsey, are you not worried about the Suns not being listed in the article? But that's not what you asked. It, it, that's it's, fair. That, that's not what you that's asked. True. That's true. It, it, had you asked that, I, I might have given you a different response. But so am I more, more encouraged confident. that he could get to the Suns? Yeah, I am. Because he had to do 
do this to get out of their period. And he did it today. So, yep, I'm more encouraged. There you go. Fair enough, but leading the way 39.7%. Like you said, Bernsey, the people, they like to ride with John Gambadoro. They are feeling the same in second place at 33.1%. Some are worried about this. They say they're less confident, and sorry, Bernsey, in last place, 27.2%. People are more confident. You know who doesn't like to ride with John Gambadoro? Well, I mean, me and your wife, because when you oh, choose, the, when you choose the music, it's just god-awful. Thank, thankfully, I drove today, so I was in control of that. I was that. in the car the other day listening to some, you know, good Crosby, Stills, and Nash came on, yeah, 70. Yeah. She goes, I, I don't understand how, how this era of music existed. It's so bad. <laughs> but go ahead. Who doesn't ride with me? She just totally ripped all of this. Well, set. me and her, because the other day we were in the car and some song came on, and you're like, you know, I really shouldn't love this song, but I really do. And I thought, yeah, you really shouldn't love this song. This is not really... <laughs> This is, not, this is not really a song you should love. What song? Uh, I don't remember what the song was. It, it, was, was, it, was, it was by the Carpenters. It was by the Carpenters. And, and he was so excited it came on. I'm like, oh. I actually like it. Boy, I, yeah. Uh, so, uh, me, Chelsea, two people who do not like to ride with John Gambadoro as long as he's in charge of the music. God, I have nothing in common with my wife. <laughs> we have nothing in common together. That's not true. No, we have nothing in common. That, that's not true. You have some things in common I, um, I, what so restaurants your love of travel Tra- we love your, travel together you love dogs you, you have lots in common we have very little in common oh boy the arizona cardinals um there was a ranking as we're here today at uh, training camp a practice is long done there was a ranking of nfl teams by um by age um and the cardinals it's interesting like the the 25 age cutoff because they've got so many players over the age of 25, the Arizona Cardinals were ranked as, what, the 30th best team in the NFL under Ouch. the age of 25 because all of their best players are over the age older. of 25. Yeah, in they, fact, there was a note in here that they were one of the oldest last the year. oldest teams in the NFL last year. Yeah, they were one of the oldest teams in the NFL. And, you know, I think a couple of key guys that they have that would be considered players that would be on that list, just like they just turned 25. So they kind of lost out with that because they got like three players that would have been considered. I don't know how much those predictions. I mean, you see that all the time in every sport. You know, this is the oldest team, and that's the old oldest team. And I'm like, I you know, I get it. You kind of you look at the age, but. <clears throat> Hollywood Brown, Josh Jones, Zach Allen, those guys, you know, Kyla Murray. Kyla Murray's not in that category because those guys are now 25 years old. So uh, Murray just had his birthday on Sunday. So, you know, there are certain guys that kind of aren't on that list anymore. Thompson is under 25. And then you've got guys that didn't make, you know, like the Rondale Moore, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy. Those guys still have something to prove to kind of get on those lists of young players. Yeah, I mean, last year the, the only on this year's rankings, um, Thompson is the only player under twenty five. Uh, talking about Jalen Thompson, who stands out to the guy like like he is the premier under twenty five guy on the roster. Byron Murphy wasn't listed as a premier player. Isaiah Simmons, Rondale Moore, and you can kind of understand why to a certain extent those guys haven't established themselves the way Jalen Thompson has. Um, the you know Murphy Mark. 
Marco Wilson. They're yeah. both under the age of 25. Corners, they, do, yep. they do have a bunch of guys who are under 25 who are just not considered elite. Now, Isaiah Simmons very well could make that leap this year. I hope he makes that leap this year. Hopefully a couple of other guys on this list. And, of course, we won't truly know what the average age of the Cardinals is until they cut down their roster to 53 and they break camp and they're ready to go with what they've got. Then they can figure out just how offensive old they are. Line is old. Their offensive, yes, the offensive line is old. Their offensive line is is Beecham's 33. I think Justin's 31 or 32. Rodney, Rodney Hudson's Hudson. 33 or 34. So, you know, you get up there. You know, those guys are kind of getting up there in age. So A.J. Green brings up the average age a little bit. J.J. Watt brings sure. up the age a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're – but that – I mean, that's – I don't know. It, it's – would you like to have a bunch of young, great talent in the pipeline so you felt like for years and years and years you were in a good spot? Yes. Yeah. The Jacksonville that, Jaguars had a lot of a lot of young talent. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. If you don't I have mean, the right talent. If you don't have the right talent, it doesn't mean anything. If you do have the right talent, you're in a great spot because now you're you can ride that young talent. Now eventually the problem with having that much young talent is you have to pay that young talent. And then when you have to pay that young talent, sometimes you have to make choices as to which ones you're going to pay and which ones you're not, which ones you're going to keep and which ones you're not. The Cardinals right now don't have that problem. Look, I, as, long as, they're, as long as they're good, I don't care if they're the oldest team in the league or the youngest team in the league. Yes, I'd like a better foundation of great young players going forward. I do think they're not great with that. I don't think they're in a great spot with their foundation of young players going forward. But no other, but no other sport allows you to turn over a roster this quickly than, than the uh, NFL. In Major League Baseball, you know, there's 472 rounds of the draft, but none of those players are playing in Major Leagues for four years. Like, you can't turn the roster over. You have a Major League Baseball draft. None of those guys are helping you within the next two years. Right. None of them. You know, same thing with the NHL. You draft all these kids. They're not ready. They need they need time. So those players are all a few years away. You look at um, basketball. Right? There's only two rounds in the draft in basketball. And, you know, usually the second round guys don't even make the team. And, you know, you only have you have a much smaller roster. So it's I think the NFL, when you go through seven rounds, and some teams can have eight, nine, ten, eleven draft picks, and then you've got the you got free agency. You could turn over a roster in the NFL a lot quicker and easier than you could turn over a roster in these other sports. Allison Shane's heading to Auction Pavilion on September 10th. Limited tickets are available, but you can win a pair right now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, could this potentially available point guard be the solution behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Some people think so. We'll tell you who it is next on Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, we're going to circle back in just about 15 minutes to the top story of the day. If you haven't heard about it yet, Kevin Durant having a meeting with the owner of the Brooklyn Nets in which Kevin Durant told the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, you either trade me or you fire the general manager and the head coach. One or the other, that's how this is going to go down. The ultimatum of all ultimatums and certainly what it means for the Suns. I'm going to re- continue to repeat this. At no point in Sham Sharania's story were the Phoenix Suns actually mentioned by name. I mean, they're never Never brought up in the story at all. So we'll talk about that story, what it means for the Suns, what 
now feels like their summer-long pursuit of Kevin Durant and whether this story is going to start to move in a direction. And is that direction going towards the Suns or is it going away from the Suns? We'll talk about that coming up at the top of the hour. But there is another story about the Suns that we wanted to touch on today. And, and I'm not sure what to make of this one. In fact, I actually think I know what I'm going to make of this one, but I'm curious to see how you react to it. And that's the Kemba Walker story. There was a report on the heavy.com that was picked up by AZ Central. One NBA, and I'm reading directly from azcentral.com, one NBA Eastern Conference executive told heavy.com he thinks that Kemba Walker, who could be bought out of his contract with the Pistons, would be a great fit with the Suns. Quote, he was the plan B for the Clippers, but they went and got John Wall, so now he's got to figure out something else. There was talk about him going to Charlotte, and that would be a good story for a team that might need one with Miles Bridges. But if he wants to play for a contender, he's probably best off looking at Phoenix. They need another point guard. Uh, They need depth behind Chris Paul. Give him a non-guaranteed deal and see how it goes. You could still make a change in January if it doesn't work out. Okay, you think you know what I was going to say on this one? I have no, I don't. Oh, uh, I have absolutely no idea. If I said otherwise, I misspoke. I have no idea what you're going to say about this one. Um, I think it's worth a look. Okay. I think it's worth a look. I mean, he's terrible defensively, just terrible. Um, But for a backup for a backup point guard, you know, his ability to run an offense. Um, he was once a great player in this league. Kemba was a great player. It's just last few years have really taken a toll on him. But I think if you're looking at a backup, you know, a backup uh, role, and you're saying, okay, you'll play between 12 and 18 minutes a game, that might be something at, at the end of his career that suits him. Listen, some players accept that when they've they've been a starter their whole life, and all of a sudden towards the end, it's like, look, your best position now is to come off the bench and just play a limited amount of minutes. Yeah, keep you fresh, keep you healthy, and take advantage of those. You know, you're going to play against the other team's backups, and if you've got a good core on that second unit, you know, you might be able to you know keep your career going for a few years. Kemba, Kemba, Kemba's career is at a crossroads here. Big it's time. at a crossroads. Yeah, big time. He's thirty. 30- one years old. He is going to turn... No, he's 32. He turned 32 uh, a couple of months ago. So he just turned 32. Of course, spent last year with the Knicks. It did not go nope. very well at all. You would know you're a Knicks fan. Um, he has not played more than 56 games since the 2018-2019 season. So you have to go back like pre-COVID to find the last time. Not blaming it on COVID, just you know, using that as kind of a reference point. Um, for the last time that he played a full season. He's, he's injury prone. He can't defend worth a lick. You're absolutely right about that. And, and in that regard, I, I guess maybe that's what I was wondering about. The culture of Monty kind of demands that you defend, right? Yes. And that you, he you, doesn't defend. That you're willing to do it. And and so does he not fit the culture of Monty? Because he's not a great defender? Will he commit to try to be a better defender? Or is there, I don't want to call it desperation, is there need at backup point guard so great that this is one you'd be willing to kind of whistle past the graveyard a little bit oh. on and go, okay, I know he's not a great defender, but man, we really need a better backup point guard option than, than campaign, so let's go ahead and give this a shot. I don't Would know. Would you pay him $9 million? No. But that's what he's on the contract for right now. Yeah, no. He it, actually has not been bought out yet. Like this, like this speculation on he's not available. That's the other thing I was going to bring up. I just did a quick Google search. The expectation, he got traded to, to the Pistons as part of that draft day swap, right? Yeah. The expectation was that he was going to get bought out he almost not immediately. Been. He hasn't been. So maybe the Pistons are sort of sensing, hey, there might be a little bit of a marketplace for this The problem guy. is the price tag for a backup point guard. Right. 
When you're making nine, ten million dollars a year, it's a pretty hefty price. I would not pay nine million dollars a year for Kemba. I would want him on a vet's minimum. I would want him on a non-guaranteed. I would want him on something the most basic entry-level type of contract available to that player in that moment. I wouldn't want him on the big dollar contract because then the risk reward goes gets gets out of whack, right? You, you bring him on a veteran's minimum. All right, what's the risk? If it doesn't work out, big deal. You just wasted a veteran's minimum contract. You go giving him nine million dollars and he doesn't work out. That I don't think you can do that. If no, but this not. is also a guy that's made numerous All Star teams. Agreed. That if you just go look, take last year out and go back previous years, he can score the basketball. If you're looking for a scorer, and I think the sure. Suns are, if the Suns don't get Kevin Durant, Kemba Walker up until last year, take take last year out. Before that, he was still scoring 18, 19, 20 points a game. So he's a good scorer. Not a good defensive player, but he can, and on your second unit, you know, maybe you won't need his defense as maybe. much as against the first unit. So I don't think it's a bad look. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that they could trade him, um, but he is not available right now. If he becomes available, I think he is worth a look. Um, would I, I was? I'll flip the question on you. Would you pay him nine million dollars? No. Okay. No. No, I think his best days are long gone. And uh, but I just think that for nine million dollars, I could do a lot better. I could get a lot better of a player for nine million dollars. I, I agree, but your uh, veterans minimum, non guaranteed, sure. I don't have I'll nine take a million. Flyer on that. I also don't have nine million if I'm the Suns. What I have is I have the taxpayer mid level, which is six point five. Yeah. I got, you know, that's what I got. I got the taxpayer mid level. I don't have nine million, but if he did become available, that's I think what you ask yourself. If he becomes available, because you're not going to trade for him. If he becomes available, would you use your non-taxpayer exception of $6.5 million on Kemba? That's a fairer question than the nine, because I, you're not going to pay him nine, but you've got the exception. You want to upgrade the backup point guard spot desperately. Yeah. So is he is he more valuable with the non-taxpayer exception of $6.5 million than you know, trying to you know trade from at nine? Yeah, and, and if he does get cut loose, you know, then a lot of it, you know, as it so often does, it comes down to money. Who's going to give me the best opportunity? Who's going to give me the best? Who's going to give me the most playing time? It's that Bismack Biombo kind of crossroads. You used the phrase a second ago. He's at a crossroad moment in his career. He is. Where where does he, you know, like Tom Hanks at the end of Castaway, which way is he going to go? And and if he chooses the, I don't care about money, I don't care about playing time, I just want to go somewhere and win, I can't imagine there are going to be too many better situations for him than the Suns. There's a clear need. There's a clear need for minutes at the backup point guard position. And if he wants to win, if he wants to win a title, but players in that moment, if he does get waived, players in that moment don't always choose the contender. Sometimes they choose the money. Sometimes they choose the playing time. It's not always about the, this is the best basketball opportunity for me. Guys look at it differently. I don't know how he's going to look at it if he even gets cut at this point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with the with the injury, the, the injury history over these last couple of years and the, the knee injury and... Um, I just don't know that he's worth that type of investment. Now, another team... You know, may say if they have a guy that goes down, they may say, "Hey, we can go get Kemba Walker. He's on. A, he's only nine million dollars for this year, but you know, he has not played a whole lot in the last three years, and and he's had some injuries, so he's definitely more of a backup player than a starter now." When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, as promised, Kevin Durant doubled down on his trade request, but this time there's an ultimatum. 
What does it mean for the Phoenix Suns? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show.